Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, recorded at various locations around the greater metropolitan New York area. I'm Calvin Reed, a contributing editor at Publishers Weekly. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I am the editor-in-chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com. You can find us on X at, at PW Comics <laughs> X. World. A.K.A. Twitter. Yeah. X. Go on. Subscribe to more to come on the Apple Podcast app, Google Podcast, and, and Spotify. And on social media, uh, on Facebook, we're at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld. And uh, don't forget, you can also leave us a message or a rating of some sort to let us know what you think of this podcast because we love to hear from our listeners. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm a podcast producer. <laughs> and you can find us online on Tumblr at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com. Okay. And no one ever says we get confused. Anyway, yes, this week on More to Come, New York Comic Con 2023 recap. We got it for you right here. Um, and that's not all we got. We, no. Yes, we got it. Yeah, we <laughs> got picked up all a sorts of things. Yeah. Picked up, we picked quite up a few some things. bugs. Yeah. How you doing, Heidi? Well, I'm okay, and, uh, you know, my ticket came up after three and a half years, and two New York Comic Cons, three San Diego Cons, three Baltimore Cons, many, many conventions, parties, events, I finally caught COVID. You now, right. You've never had it. I've never had it before. Wow. And uh, I will say that, uh, number one, I did not get my booster shot. I've had all my other boosters, so I am a firm believer in uh in getting vaccinated so i re- deeply regret not getting my booster but it was, they were out of the vaccine um second thing i pretty much knew that if i was ever going to catch covid it would be at new york comic-con 2023 because <laughs> they had no mitigation whatsoever That's i did wear cool. a mask on the floor uh hardly anybody else did yes. and um uh but it really was the after hours events that uh I think, I mean, I, I, I mean, I walked into one event and I was like, oh, uh, I got COVID. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, and I'm certainly not alone as we'll get to, but yes, I am alive. I am surviving my COVID and drinking right. some ginger turmeric tea. There you go. We know you're a gamer, but, and, um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, glad that you're feeling better. Thanks. All right. So what about the reflections? What about the floor? What give us some give us some uh, Heidi feedback? Well, um, I, you know this was an interesting show. We talked about how there was going to be a full day of uh, professional programming, mm. and there was. It was indeed a very full day, and I did not even uh, get up at nine a.m. on Thursday to start it off. But apparently the press was banned from that. There was a breakfast, a retailer breakfast held in a wide open spot next to the press room and, uh, you know, with no acoustical baffling. And uh, apparently people overheard some of the things that were said at this retailer breakfast and reported them. And then the people who said them were like, oh, no, we heard it would be private. And I'm like, well, you know, read, literally read the room. Yeah. You're in a wide open. Yeah, then you know that's not <laughs> restricted, really. Then get a get a room. <laughs> yeah, but um, uh, and then there was uh, Comics Pro. Calvin, were you there for Comics Pro? I was not. I was not at Comics yeah, you Pro. Didn't, I was the only one who was there for Comics Pro. But some very very interesting, um, you know, retailer thoughts. Uh, 
And um, I did get a chance to talk with Jen Haynes quite a bit. Yes. A little later. Oh, good. Well, uh, uh, you know, I, I heard her presentation. It's kind of they did a very similar thing last the week before the con at a um, kind of all day symposium where they uh, just kind of talked about their uh, made a data project, which they keep uh, talking about. Very excited. You know, apparently somebody told me that they've had 20 meetings for this metadata project, which sounds like, you know, this is, un- I told Jen this, this is really unprecedented to, I've seen many, many industry, all, you know, industry-wide initiatives begun that ended after one meeting because everybody <laughs> realized they couldn't stand each other. So for for something to go on for 20 meetings is, is yeah. definitely a sign. Although, I want to say, and I didn't write this, this is one of the podcast-only special, I did talk to a publisher on the floor later on and mention this project, and he actually said, well, I've been a part of a lot of nonprofits, and if you have 20 meetings to get something done, it sounds like it's never going to get done. So he was actually not very uh, sanguine yeah. about this project. So, you know. I'm not uh, sure if that's the same when it comes to um, figuring out uh, uh, data and mm-hmm. how it's transmitted. Yeah. I mean, remember those BISAC codes? Oh, yeah. That, that took, took a while. That took a while. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see, you know, but I mean, somebody's got to try it anyway. So we'll Absolutely. see. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, there was a panel of uh, retailers who also talked about stuff. And uh, I say surprisingly upbeat. Um, I mean, I would say surprisingly upbeat is the, the tagline of the entire convention because it's obvious. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of escapism at the show based on what's going on in the world and, you know, kind of escaping from the horrors that are happening in Gaza and Israel right now and everywhere else in the world, but also just the uncertainty of our economy and, you know, book sales slipping, although not as much as other sales. Anyway, there's a lot of – crap going on out there and uh, people didn't seem really gloomy about it they seemed to be like we'll get through this you know yeah Yeah. so yeah and then you arrived for icv2 calvin what did you think of that um you know what i i thought icv2 well obviously icv2 icv2 was great for milton's white paper which is always of course um, you know, it's always it gives you kind of the basic facts that you're going to use your you're going to base your reporting on for the next year or so. Right. Um. So uh, I was excited about that. I was also actually really into uh their whole focus on the direct market, the history of the direct market, particularly having, you know, kind of a legendary figure like Jim Shooter there, along with Milton, who was a distributor at the time and Paul Levitt's former president of D.C., talking about the birth of the direct market and the various the various ways it transformed American comics publishing. Um, and I thought I thought Paul had some interesting to say about how it actually lifted the quality of comics mm. at the time. I thought that was an interesting point. Um, uh, um, so I like that very much. And, of course, uh, Milton's pa- uh, paper, uh, once again, very critical and very useful. The size of the market, over $2 billion. The size of the graphic novel component, the format component was over uh, 1.57 billion of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I thought his perspective looking out over the future of the direct market, um, you know, apparently, you know, even periodicals were up 
um, uh, uh, over the uh, uh, teeny over tiny the, tad. They were a teeny, teeny tiny, tiny uh, tad. And yeah. yet, the book format is driving growth both in the direct market, obviously in the book book trade for the uh, comics market. And I thought his uh, his outlook on the future of the direct market was very interesting, particularly talking about all of the things that we talk about on this show all the time. Uh, um, uh, learning, uh, learning and appreciating and embracing the, the impact of manga, manga adjacent material, looking at the book, uh, the book market for, for, uh, uh, business terms that may be better. Returnability was discussed. Um, variant covers, which I thought uh, was sort of interesting. Uh, if, very quickly, uh, uh, Steve Colson, the guy that does Comic Hub, uh, I hope I get his name right. Yes, that's right. And he was talking about variant covers, which sort of made people shift in their seats. Mm-hmm. I talked with Jen Haynes, and she gave me the same information. Variant covers really make money in her shop. Mm-hmm. So um, that's very interesting. And we also had some interesting discussions about returnability yeah. uh, and the new distribution package. Is, so, is, is there, I, well, well, what did they say about returnability? I mean, they, uh, like Jen's it's... thing was – Jen's case was – well, look, Milton obviously said this is something that uh, d- uh, direct market needs to think about and comics publishers. Jen said stores want it, uh, but they don't – she said she doesn't make decisions on things based on – Returnability. That doesn't mean they don't want it, though. Mm-hmm. So her response to things were, "It's complicated." Mm-hmm. Uh, the multi-distributor marketplace. Yes, it's too much work, and yes, we they should have it. Uh, that too, if I may, you know, just sort of paraphrase for her. Uh, you know, a lot of stores are saying, oh, "Well, well, it's a lot of work having all these distributors," and she said, "Yes, it is, and we still should have, you know, con- con- you know, competition." Uh, among distribution vendors. So, um, you know, I, I thought that was a good response in the sense that it's a complicated issue. So yeah. what were your experiences and thoughts about the show in general, Calvin? You know what? I thought I was impressed with it. Uh, I thought the fl- – I, I, uh, look, there, it was, it, we, I think we can all agree there were crowds everywhere. Uh, the turnout was really impressive. I thought it was uh, chaotically orderly. I felt like I, I actually felt like people were thoughtful. They were really happy to be back, yeah. and I did not find that as crowded as it was everywhere. I did not find that it was sort of unruly or out of control. Yeah, same here. And and, I, and the aisles moved. Excuse me. Go on, Kate. Well, I think it really helped that they had a large, special, dedicated cosplay area up yes. on the. Uh, Crystal Palace, because I think that giving people room for the really big costumes to be see and be seen somewhere other than the floor was a benefit for everybody. Yes. Because I just did not see the traffic jams I have seen in past years. There were costumes. It was great, but it wasn't like the big like photo op <coughs> getting in the way of people getting where they needed to be that I've seen in years past. Yes. Great. A plus there. Yeah. Kate, what days were you there? So I was there Saturday and Sunday. Okay. Um, not all I mean, day each day, but you know. I mean, I, I, I kind of, I, I agree that the crowd was pretty well behaved, 
and uh you know this was an anime show <laughs> oh I mean, there's no doubt yeah. there's no question i mean it was like you know asking new york comic-con if they're going to do an anime show was pointless because new york comic-con has become <laughs> it's, an it's, anime it's, show well yeah. it's, it's become an anime show when it comes to who's on the floor it has not become an anime show when it comes to who's on the panels or who's presenting. Yeah, but I don't – there was – I actually had people complaining about the lack of programming. I mean the programming was pretty thin, let's be honest. So, yeah, um, and it wasn't helped by the fact that the programs, the quote-unquote programs, did not have any programming in it. They had like a couple highlights and that was it and everything else because I think they printed the booklet – too far oh, yeah. ahead. Oh yeah. So the they had was no- u- the print was useless. Yeah, yeah but that app there's... was useless too because there was... well, yeah, the the ash kept cra- the app kept crashing and it was badly organized, and the usual printed schedules weren't there, and so it came very hard to even figure out what was where. And to be frank, I I gave up. I was just like, you know, I'm just going to get some interviews and see the floor, and I don't have time for this crap. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure I was not alone in that. It was no. a little. I was, so if you go, you go on the kid. New York I did Comic-Con use the app, and... but there were problems with that app for sure, including some panels that Joe Illich's panel, uh, that was about black access to community, um, uh, access to, to black comics community. It wasn't listed in the app at all. It was yeah. listed on the full website. And other ones had the wrong time on the app. Yeah. So, well, my app that, crashed like three times, which is apparently yeah, so, not uncommon. Yeah. No, it happened constantly. It was just when you could bad. get any Wi-Fi because the Wi-Fi no. was so bad that you couldn't download the app. So it was really, and then people in Artist Alley couldn't do Stripe, and they, you know, it was a disaster. The Wi-Fi was a disaster. Um, yeah, it was. But just, it was bad. but just, you know, just getting back to what I was saying about the crowds. Um, like I said, I, you know, I think anime crowds, anime cons have a culture of, uh, do no harm, uh, which I definitely felt in this crowd. That said, it was very, very crowded. And the fact that there weren't a lot of big, um, well, there Comic weren't publishers. No, of uh, the fact that there weren't a lot of big, uh, media panels all over the place meant that just like with San Diego, People were on the floor. You know, there weren't yeah. any panels because of the strike. I will say Friday, I was trying to get from one side of the hall to the Crystal Palace and, uh, with Ernest Wu, uh, the, the co-founder of Tappy Tune. And, um, even he said that when we got to a place of, of, you know, calm, he said, yes, that was a little like a scene from an, a post-apocalyptic movie because I, I did feel the crowds, I felt there was no line management anywhere yeah. at all and it really is fortunate that people were generally well behaved um and aside from standing in front of the escalators yeah there was i think let's put it this way i think the layout was well designed for line mm-hmm. management I agree. but yeah. it was understaffed like i really felt like i saw far 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 fewer convention employees than in years past um i just I didn't even see any, I mean, practically. So then you'd get to somewhere, you want to have somebody to ask, like, well, where's this? And there was nobody to ask. Mm. And yeah. there certainly was nobody to be like, hey, 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 keep it moving or something if there was a, a traffic backup. Well, was- they, yeah. The Reed Pop uh, laid off 
uh, you know, 40% of its staff and they're still severely understaffed. Mm. And that, that I really got, I could feel that in many, many ways. So yeah, I mean, taking that into account, I'm impressed by how well it went. It was a very nice con. It was a very nice year. Um, I do think as well as the lack of media panels, something I felt pretty strongly was a, a, a lack of comic book publisher presence. Mm-hmm. Well, like, yeah, <laughs> it was it was yep. I mean, there were a few, but yeah. like in years past pre covid, like all the major publishers had a booth. It might not be a big booth, but they had a booth. They sold their books. Well, this year, Barnes and Noble was doing gangbusters selling the books of all the companies and authors who didn't who weren't selling them themselves. Well, you know, Midtown Comics also didn't set up and a lot of times in the yeah. past midtown was the, oh, right. was, was, the, as well. uh, was the bookseller um mm. and you, you know they brought in writer's block for artist alley which is an area for writers mm. and had barnes and noble selling the books so um you know i think we talked last year about just how horrible the booth placement was for the comics publishers who did set up you know like i mean if i wrote about this i know you've heard about it but you know vault being next to the curry stand, you know, <laughs> and um, this year they had a really great place. <laughs> so that everyone who moaned and groaned last year got a much better placement, which I appreciate Good. that they did that. But yeah, I, I, I mean, that's what I say. It was a yeah. manga show. I mean, there was this giant 3D immersive Shuesa XR exhibit that just had people sitting there and watching it. It was mesmerizing. You know, there was like, like the a manga track- plus booth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well. it was, it was like an amusement park. There was like a yeah. Karomi ride and like a giant dome you went into and saw kaleidoscopes. And, um, and, you, know, and you know, it is also, I mean, we should be clear. It's a, it's a humongous pop culture yard sale at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't, I mean, I, I don't know. What do you, what do you guys, well, I mean, I understand why the publishers don't go, but what do you, what do you think? Well, I mean, I like that Artist Alley was well populated, not just by creators, but also by fans. Yes. Oh, um, boy, was it was, it ever. It was jumping. I, I feel like it would have been great if it would have been easier to find great panels that had all these creators on them, hopefully that'll improve next year and more programming with them. But like I, I heard complaints and you're going to hear one in an interview, which is going to be attached to this episode uh, from creators. They were like, Hey, why aren't the publishers here? Like we, we used to like to like hang out and talk to them during the convention and they're not here. I, like, I think if you go, like I said, uh, I, I, if you go on the New York Comic Con Reddit group, you'll see a lot of people on there also complaining that there weren't any comics publishers. And, um, I mean, it would be nice to see them fighting, fighting back, fighting is the wrong word. It would be nice to see them side by side with the yeah. anime juggernaut, the manga yeah. juggernaut. Well, I almost wonder if the manga juggernaut had as much space as it did. Because it wasn't competing with the big comic publishers anymore. You know, I mean, you have all this floor space to fill. You might as well put somebody well, there. Well, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, who was there? I would like, say it was Man actually. Cave was there. Vault was there. Um, who else? Marvel. <laughs> Marvel was Me there. Too. Yeah. But Marvel wasn't really there, there. 
It was like, their same, their same. Yeah, that's the one, same, same booth they've had every year. The same year. booth they always same had. Same kind well, of setup no. they've had. But, yeah. okay, it could be me. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, but I was, felt. Hmm. Um, wait, wait, wait. I, Kate, what were you trying to say, Kate? Yeah. Well, I just felt like Marvel, as it has been for the last few years, did not lean heavily into their books. Let's just put it that way. I felt like it was more heavily leaning into their media properties. Well, I think they've been doing that for a while, too. Well, yeah, but what I'm saying is, like, to be like, oh, well, they were there representing as a book publisher. I was like, were they? Were they? Yeah. No, good point. Um, I felt like it was a little less yard sale than it has been maybe like five years ago. There was a lot more of like less like, oh, here's used collectibles and a lot more like here's our thing we made aimed at the geek market. So it seemed more like a mall than a yard sale. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, um, it was the best mall a, ever. Don't get me wrong. Um, yeah. um, um, well, no, because because of a yard sale has old stuff. Uh, mall well, has shiny new stuff. I just mean it was a collection of all kind of stuff. <laughs> well, that that is true. That is true. <laughs> it was what, definitely a mean. shopping extravaganza. Yeah. I think we but can I, agree on that. It wasn't that but I mean, what I mean there. is that, yeah. like, they but had sure. in past a lot of memorabilia and comic, like, used comic sellers. And don't get me wrong, they were still there. But I felt like that section has been shrinking over the last few years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it has, too. I mean, there was a um, huge. I think the biggest booth was eBay, which I never even went into. Of course, there was a giant funk. It was booth. huge. <laughs> you know, there was. I was WhatsApp on the floor. I'm not sure, but I mean, there was a lot of. I mean, uh, a DoorDash had a giant booth. That was yes. Anime. What was that about? Anime. I really didn't understand that concept. Well, I was like, Dash? why are you here, and what are because you selling to comic book trying, people? They were trying to be edgy and trendy by being anime adjacent you know like you were supposed to stand there and you had to wait in line and get a photo and i started to do it and then i was like oh this line is too too long i don't have time and i moved on i mean i have seen good tie-ins between food and comics and food and anime like you have some kind of food items you're selling or giving away that are anime themed or comics themed. Right. They didn't have that. Right. It was just sort of like, hey, we're DoorDash. And I was like, that's great. Why are you here? <laughs> well, they'll, <laughs> they'll sell a booth to anybody. Um, so. All right. So, hey, what, look, we've got, we, just checking the time here. Um, 22 minutes. Uh, do we want to say anything about the Harveys? Yeah, we're at 22 minutes, so we have three minutes left. Well, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, I, the, what did you think of the Harveys, Calvin? You know what? Uh, I always appreciate the Harveys. Um, uh, it would be so much better if more of the winners were there. Um, yes. Uh, I'm not... I'm not crazy about the River uh, Pavilion, the Crystal Palace, whatever yeah. it's called. You know, I will say, one of the winners... Uh, who was at the show uh, knew that they were winning and didn't show up uh, pleading illness, but I saw them out later, uh, not ill. So yeah. uh, no names, no names. No, no names. No so names. when you have, you know, listen, if I get a chance to get win an award, I mean, I did it, present an award. That was really cool. You know, if I was to win an award in front of uh, my peers, I, I don't know. I would just take 10 minutes to do it, I guess. But, um, yeah. you know, I but, guess but, people are pretty blasé about 
stuff. That's true. But I did think the the the, uh, the video uh, presentations by Art Spiegelman, who wasn't yes. there but who presented uh, Bill Griffith, I thought that was a great. And uh, yeah, and Marv's, Marv Wolfman's was very Marv funny, Wolfman, yes. very touching that, as well. Yeah, great acceptance. So, yes. So you know, I just I know we and don't Shemit have to. Moore was there from uh, yes. across the Spider World, so let's yes. give him his credit. And then he raced off like yes, really fast. But he was there. He yeah, was there. He was, there. And he was there. happy he to did, get his award. Did. Yes, he did. For um, uh, media he, adaptation. So you know, just <laughs> kind of touching on though, I do think this is going to be known as COVID Con, and not just because I got COVID, but uh, just so many people got. COVID. I mean, Jody it, got COVID, including friend of the show, Jody Culkin, who yes. composed our theme music. Yes. She uh, is recovering uh, as we speak. And uh, but just, you know, if you Lots look, of people. Uh, there's a lot. Yes. And trust me, there's a lot of people who did not go on social media to announce it because I've been before I took ill, I was emailing people and, you know, about follow ups. And they're like, oh, you know, I don't feel good. And so uh, and then you notice the comics industry just fell silent on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it literally did. Like, um, so I, I mean, you know, I would just hope, I, I would just hope that all diseases that are communicable, I mean, I just feel like, uh, you know, play, places should be better ventilated. Yeah. Honestly, places should be, events, yeah. gatherings for a lot of people should be held in, in well ventilated, uh, settings. That's my yes. belief. I <laughs> have, and go. have outside well, got- access. 40 foot ceilings there. I don't know. Well, no, but, but a lot of the after parties were not. Yeah. So. Yeah. So what parties did you go? What, uh, uh, well, I mean, I went to all of them. That's why I have COVID. Oh, there you go. Um, well, see, yeah. Yeah. I, I went mean, to, um, I went to the Inklor party. You were there that as well. That was a great Inklor? party. Yes. Inklor was a lovely party. Wonderful party. Yes. Um, uh, and I, and of course I went to the distillery party. Yes. So that was uh, also a great party. It was also a great party. Uh, and you know what? I'm mean, to have to say it. The fried chicken was Excellent. Chef's kiss. Well, I had dinner at that place the night before and, uh, it's, it's not cheap, but I will say, uh, the food is excellent. Um, really, really good. Uh, so, you know, if you're looking for a splurge, it's a fun place to go for sure. And I can't right, remember so the name of it. So one thing we have and then to I just said, I threw a party, uh, with, along with, uh, my, oh. uh, my modern fanatic, and massive publishing. Uh, well, I mean, I was one of the hosts, and that was yeah. Thursday. It was a great, great party. I didn't get COVID there, so uh, for sure, uh, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I believe that strong belief. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, you know, it was great. I mean, New York Comic Con really is all about catching up with people and hanging out and seeing all your friends, and especially European friends, because it really is people come. From, you know, all the Europeans go to New York Comic Con. So it's a really great place to catch up with them. So this this might be a good time to just to uh, to, to let our listeners know that uh, there was another uh, there was a, a another party from more to come at New York Comic Con. Meg Lemke, PW Graphic Novels Review Editor. She's gonna we've got a little uh, segment with her, and um, Meg is gonna uh, give us uh, her re- her recap her feedback on her experiences at New York Comic Con. Well, New York Comic Con is over. Uh, we're going to be talking a lot about this. Um, uh, Meg Lemke, PW's graphic novels review editor, she was there also. We're going to do a little separate talk uh, with Meg. So, Meg, how you doing? Uh, are you recovering uh, from the biggest pop culture 
show on the east coast of north america (laughs) i'm definitely still recovering because i am editing the post show uh overview articles and rap articles by um our very own heidi mcdonald alverson and um john mayer is also working on one about icv2 who is the new uh reviewer uh, sorry editor of the fanatic yep yep great um well uh, i was there as well uh saw you on um, a number of occasions including your Mm -hmm. panel uh, look, this is, uh, you know, in some ways, just for myself, I, uh, uh, this was a very interesting New York Comic Con, kind mm-hmm. of a revival. In some ways, it had a vibe, kind of pre-pandemic. But what was, what was your take on it? And maybe we can also talk a little bit about, obviously, the PW panel that you moderated. Yes. Um, so this was actually my first New York Comic Con since 2019. Oh, okay. And um, that is because last year, the time that I got ill with the pandemic COVID virus was right in the midst of when New York Comic Con was about to happen. And so I stayed home and did not go. And so it was a big deal for me to come back. You know, I had a lot of emotions about it, honestly, because I'd also, you know, not only gone as a professional and publishers weekly in the past, but also with the French Comic Association, where I did a big yeah. tour there. And, you know, it's a lot of memories. Yeah. Um, I remember the cocktail parties. Yeah. Yes. We, 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 <laughs> we should talk about parties this year, too. But We will. <laughs> we, <laughs> we threw a very – the European cartoonists throw a great party. Yes. And uh, it was it was also like a pleasure for me because it was the first time that I got to take over the reins of um, the Publishers Weekly panel. Yes. Which Calvin has given uh, for many years. And this year we pitched it on a very important topic, which is turning back the tide of book banning efforts and censorship efforts nationally. And I do want to talk about that more. But a lot of my experience was like gearing up for that, Mm -hmm. you know, thinking about this important topic. Um, But I first saw you, I think, at the ICV2. Were you at ICV2? Yes, I was definitely at the ICV2 uh, conference. Um, That's where I showed up. Insider Talks, yeah. Insider yeah. Talks, yeah. after having like a lovely uh, coffee meeting with um, Spencer from Oni, I mm-hmm. just kind of waltzed into ICV2, ate some cookies. I did – it was a very uh, well-prepared symposium, but I did think that the like social hour foods of like a plate of cookies and some coffee <laughs> yeah. Well, not it's what a, I, was, I was hoping. <laughs> well, you know, it's unfortunate. I don't know the, bureau, the bureaucratic issues around that because usually the Insider Talks – uh, you know, have pick up, put it this way, they pack a bigger, you know, a beverage punch. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I mean, I was thinking to myself, hmm, it's only noon, should I really have a cocktail? And the answer was no, you should not because there's none available. Yeah, there you go. So they've kind of made that decision for you. So we'll have to get uh, Milton on the show and grill him about what happened to the cocktail party. Poor Milton. <laughs> but it was actually uh, good, so I could stay sharp, sharp in the mind. Um, and right away, I ran into people. You know, this is the the other reason, of course, to go to the programming. Uh, that's the professional programming mm-hmm, is sure. to meet fellow professionals. So, did did yeah. anything? Could I mean, did anything? You know, jump out at you at the ICB two uh, insider talks? Well, yes, yeah. uh, definitely. I mean, yeah. what what was shocking to me, and I mean, I don't know how long that this has been mm-hmm. in discussion potentially, but was you know. Milton directly saying perhaps the direct market should look at the book market for models. I think you're you know, absolutely right. <laughs> he put that as a line item. And, you know, I mean, partly just because bookstore market has its many challenges in itself. And so as sure. someone who's come out of the 
traditional book market in my whole career, you know, knowing those challenges in depth, also from the side of the creator side, like the fact that since stock is returnable at the general bookstore market, agents have to deal with the fact that publishers hold a reserve for return and royalties are not paid until returns are accounted for, which can sometimes take years that publishers hold on to those reserves. Like there's all these sort of issues that maybe saying it's it's not that easy necessarily, right? Like there's there's pros and cons of that model to you. Sure. But you know, the point being, though I got immediately in the weeds there, is that, you know, traditional direct market is not returnable. And this puts yes. all of the liability onto the retail, onto the comic shop, the little the little indie mm. per- shop to deal with that stock once they bought it. They bought it, they bought it. But in a traditional bookstore, you can return stock. Yes. So it just puts more onus on the publisher to think about their print runs in that fashion. And there's just a lot more to say than that. We could do a whole, whole seminar. But it was great to hear people saying, like, as we're seeing graphic novels sell at bookstores and see how that is thriving, how come – direct market doesn't allow for returns and how can we take lessons from that and that was really really interesting you know it was a bummer to hear that sales are down you know that that even if they're Mm -hmm. up over 2019 still for graphic novels that the periodicals meaning floppies are down Um, i'm sure you'll talk about this more with heidi and kate yeah but it was interesting you know um definitely hearing a number of people talk about the idea of the bookstore market as a like the logistics of that as being a model, not just the format, was really interesting to be yeah. excited. And and of course, I mean, part of his uh, 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 focus on the future of uh, the direct market and and in its relationship to like term, book book trade terms mm-hmm. was how the the graphic novel format, the book format, continues to drive growth uh, in the overall comics market and even in the direct market. Uh, And part of what you're talking about is him saying, you know, uh, direct market stores need to and are getting better at selling graphic novels, selling books. Um, But, uh, um, you know, everything is changing in the direct market. Frankly, everything is changing in the North American comics market. And I, I thought but I thought that that particular point also was a big one for me. I mean, it's really great opportunity for people from all sides of the building to really have a thoughtful conversation about the numbers and the mechanics. Mm -hmm. And it created an opportunity for a lot of people to talk to each other, especially because ICV2 followed um, Comics Pro having a kind of retailer breakfast thing. I wasn't there, but I actually got like the benefit of showing up and in time to kind of run around to the tables and talk to the publishers who were there. So I talked Mm -hmm. to Fair Square and Street Noise and to some other folks who had set up to have um, retailers come and chat with them. And and it was nice to see ICV2 and Comics Pro working together because Comics Pro, which is a national organization or North Mm -hmm. American organization, um, uniting comics retailers, is just doing such fantastic work, Uh, which kind of leads back to my panel because Jen Haynes, Mm -hmm. who is the head of Comics Pro, herself a shop owner in Canada, was on my panel representing the side of retailers and working on this pernicious issue of book bans. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about the panel Uh, because really it it is – it's kind of the issue that's at the core of – all, all book publishing these days. Yes. Um, so the panel, I noticed that New York Comic Con actually held at least four. But yeah, there were others, more, without a doubt. On um, censorship and book banning, which 
you know, how ours was distinguished, and we actually directly followed Comic Book Legal Defense Fund's panel, mm-hmm. their own panel, and then Jeff Trexler was on our panel. And at first I thought, is this going to be weird? But it was fine. It was actually, his was very focused on legal issues and case updates, and, mm-hmm. and lawyers were there getting credit, like continuing yeah. education credit for his panel. And then ours was aimed at um, the title was Joining Forces, Comics Publishers, Librarians, and Retailers Unite and Unite Fans Against mm-hmm. Book Bans. Which is, to me, this actually came from a programming perspective out of a conversation at U.S. Book Show where in our Young Adult Buzz Books panel for comics, all the publishers at the end were just like, we need to do more. You know, what can we do? We really actually need to unite. And I thought we need to unite across the industry and that I really do love a panel that actually is a kind of working group on stage. Sure. We're coming together and it's, it's professional development, it's conversations, it's connections amongst the panelists inside the room. And there was a sort of electricity I felt with this panel and that sure. the attendees who were sitting in the seats and it's like a beautiful room we were in. She was like big. I mean, for Javits especially, which always felt Well, it's the River Pavilion. It, it has yeah, its, it its plus pros and its cons. But it's big and it's beautifully it's and during the day it's an incredible uh you know, you're basking in this incredible uh natural life. But yeah, what was the name of your panel? Because the name sorry, of the sorry. panel really does, you know, it, it focus just, you. It just said it. Joining forces, uh, I'll say it again. Joining forces, comics publishers, librarians, and retailers unite and unite fans against book bans. Great, yeah. Sorry, I must have missed it, but there yeah. you go. No, That's no. It. I'm happy. Yeah. I, you know, I came up with the title. It's like a great title. title. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in the audience, in this, like, beautiful room, there was a number of librarians. Like, we definitely got librarians, mm-hmm. people who were fans and who were like parents and people who seemed to be uh, teachers and educators. There was a Harvard law professor, Mm -hmm. you know, it was definitely an engaged Mm -hmm. audience, a good number of people, you know, there's like maybe 50 people were there. There's a ton of tables, a huge room. It had a great feeling of like, we are talking about something important with people who care. And even on our panel at one point. And who is on the panel? Yes, sorry. The panel was Stephanie Anderson at New York Public Library. Yes. She is um, responsible for ordering um, graphic novels for both NYPL and Brooklyn Public Library, and she specifically said that she is responsible for countering and answering responding to challenges within the library system. That's a big Good. job. Um, Andrea Colvin, who is an editor, um, I believe possibly editorial director. She's the head of um, editorial at Little Brown Inc., which is mm-hmm. basically an imprint she came on to found, at, which is at Hachette, so mm-hmm. one of the big publishers. Yep. Um, but Andrea also notably was Maya Kobabe's editor on Gender Queer, published by Lineford, which is the number one banned book in the country for several years running. Jen Haynes at Comic Pro, who I mentioned previously, also mm-hmm. the owner of the Guelph, uh, sorry, <laughs> the Dragon in Guelph, Ontario. In Guelph, Ontario, yes. Yes, thank you. And Jeff Trexler, who is the head of Comic Book Legal Defense Fund, a yeah. lawyer. See, he's, the, he's the interim uh, ex- executive director. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and so this, I, it was fabulous. I mean, it really felt like we had. It was a good, yeah. It, you know, I mean, obviously, this is this is not one of those topics that you know. Uh, well, it's you know, it's energizing, but it's also kind of it's looming because this is an issue that uh, these book bans are surging. Um, but I, I did think that there were a number of points that came up over the thing that I found you know very interesting. Um, uh, um, uh, sort of hotlines to help librarians mm-hmm. out who are really under pressure, uh, encouraging the public to ask for books at the public library, you know, mm-hmm. um, 
uh, they offered strategies for dealing with these inflammatory attempts to use like one image from a book to, to smear it entirely, uh, to provide context. I mean, that was just very quickly. And you also put up resources. I think, uh, you had resources, a list of resource organizations to, to talk about. I made a slideshow. I love to make a slideshow. Uh, <laughs> Stephanie Anderson helped a lot with that, actually. Okay. I have to give her a shout out and then I built on it quite a bit. Um, and everyone provided links. You know, they just, Stephanie actually put them in PowerPoint. Thank you, Stephanie. So we, yeah, exactly. I wanted this to give big, overview of what's happening and what I feel like is important to say here just in terms of consciousness raising is we're not talking about a few challenges here or there or like edge cases we are talking about a concerted um, organized effort for mass challenging of books like huge lists of books by a very few but well um, oiled groups uh, especially Moms for Liberty and some of the other um, right wing organizations who are doing this in a um, in a, in a way that's like organized around social media and is not even localized, like often is a national movement and uh, affecting yeah. smaller areas or smaller towns in ways that may be very much out of the culture of those spaces. And it's, the escalation is like very, really incredible. So in, um, we talked about the numbers on the panel and I want to disappoint people to all the work publishers weekly is done in this, but basically like it had already doubled in 2022 and now we're over that number in 2023 and we're talking about thousands of challenges and um so we talked big picture about that but i really wanted the panel to talk about practical ways that fans and people on the ground could could make a change and you mentioned some of them um also things like writing to your congress people writing to your Mm -hmm. local elected officials um simply showing up at school board meetings because other people are showing up at them who are not parents yeah yeah challenge books yeah um and And they're almost professional book challengers that's like all they do it's like all they do yeah and um it's yeah it's just this it's this incredible organized effort um to censor books uh that's really about censoring uh people of color and queer uh, identities and and to try and under the guise of like save the children from these pernicious you know attitudes but it's really about racism and homophobia and you know just simply something that I thought was a great piece of advice was like just talking about being someone who reads comics, like being an educated an adult who reads comics itself can help because a lot of the reason that so many comics graphic novels have been the target for censorship, it, it trades on uh, prejudice around the sure. reading of comics yeah, like it, as an outsider art form, as seemingly lesser or like, well, if we take away a comic, it's no big deal. It's like taking right. away candy. You know, it doesn't feel real or like an attack on literature in the way that somebody can like kind of clutch their pearls if they hear that, um, you know, Lolita was censored, which feels like literature because it's prose. And I might, I might add also, I thought, and I can't remember who brought this up, um, but someone, I might, maybe it was Andrea Cole, but I can't remember. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, but she emphasized how local comic shops are maybe a better, you know, they, they're fiercer organizers in some mm-hmm. ways than a big store like Barnes and Noble. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was a, was a particularly useful shout out to the um at the local comic shop market which who are in fact independent bookstores in in many ways right exactly that they're not only developing relationships with the consumers who are coming in their door the consumers the you know the readers their their 
their people who come in the door, um, that they care and they have the time and the energy and the entrepreneurship really to say like, this is my livelihood and this is my passion. Um, yeah. and, and that was one of the moments that was sort of mo- like most lovely to me in the panel was that, you know, I said, I asked Jen, does comics pro have materials that, you know, do you think it'd be helpful to have information about this, this issue in local shops? And she said, well, we don't have that. Maybe we should think about that. And then she and Jeff were like, let's talk, like, let's Great. talk about CBLDF potentially partnering in that way. So I'm, I'm hoping that this was an opportunity for some of these partners to just talk again. You know, they probably are, but it's still, that's what makes a convention Absolutely. Work, Absolutely. You know, is bringing people together in a room. Absolutely. All right. So look, we're going to have to wrap this up, but I wanted to ask you, what any other favorite moments? How about the parties? Mm, okay, two favorite moments. One was walking into the Inklore party with yes. you and um, John, and we like had to find it. It was behind the secret door in this fancy hotel in Hudson Yards, <laughs> and I was wearing a dress because I always like to wear a dress when I go to a business work a gig like New York Comic Con, but the. The staff at uh, like Tay Taylor and all the other folks who were there for Inclore were dressed to the nines. They had these, they like, were down. I was like, whoa! And, like, <laughs> I should have wore my formal T-shirt. Diamonds on. <laughs> they looked amazing because they were so excited. And for those who may not know, Inclore is the yeah. new uh, like I don't know what we're looking for a term. The new manga, um, a manga adjacent manga plus. Uh, you know, uh, uh, we're looking for a term that encompasses this incredible mm-hmm. wealth of. Material that's yeah, that that's flowing out of uh, Asia, well, uh, from by, by publisher Lewis. by P, uh, right. Penguin Random House is uh, is the, the uh, parent company. Yeah, and PRH gets fancy. They had a like yes, a, it was a nice pom- party, pomegranate cocktail, which I really appreciated. You know, uh, to yes. little Persephone reference with Laura Olympus being the inspiration. Yeah. Um, yeah Anything that was else? My other favorite moments, and we talk about this actually in the wrap up. Not this moment. We talk about uh, how nostalgia brands are appealing to families and kids, and that you see that at New York Comic Con, um, like with the way that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comics are doing really well mm-hmm. now at IDW. Mm-hmm. Sure. There was a big um, installation for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles put on by Paramount. You know, there's the film is out right now. I haven't seen it yet, but I kind of plan to. And I just saw this little boy, like see the huge turtles come and he was like levitating it was just so sweet um so that was nice it's just there was like a few real genuine moments on the show floor like that all right and great and on that note uh we wrap up your part of the new york Mm -hmm. comic-con recap and then we're gonna jump back in and see what the rest of the uh more to come crew has to say about new york comic-con thanks so much meg thank you all right well that was great for meg yeah, great, um, Meg. But, but Kate, that's you not were, all. But Kate, you were the only Mordecomer who was perspicacious enough and dedicated enough to actually get interviews. That is I, not I, true. Calvin no. got interviews too. Calvin oh, got he two did. Too. Calvin yes. got to. All right. Well, then I'm the only one who was too busy to get interviews. Then. <laughs> that's all right. It's all right. The but yes, I got here. to talk to uh, Gideon Kendall and uh, Doug Latino uh, about. Uh, they've got a book coming out next year. And um, wait, it gets worse. There's this comic strip that they do. And I also talk with N. Stephen Harris, a terrific uh, indie comics artist. Uh, he talked about his long career. Now stay tuned for my interviews from the show floor. Hi, this is Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm here at New York Comic Con 2023 with Cat Staggs. Hello. So, um, how has your Comic Con been 
year? It's been pretty fantastic. Um, I've really enjoyed the um, being here when John Carpenter was here. I've been working with the Carpenters for like 10 years now, so it's been a really fantastic weekend. We had a new book come out and everything. It was wonderful. What's the new book that came out? Uh, the new book is called Dark and Twisted Death Mask with Storm King Comics, which is a Sandy King Carpenter's uh, comic company. And uh, my wife, Amanda Divert, wrote it, and I drew it. All right. Thank you so much. And do you have uh, any thoughts on how this might compare to other years for you? Um, this year seems exceptionally crowded. It seems, I think we're getting back to free pandemic numbers in here. It's been pretty wonderful. And do you have any thoughts that you'd like to share with our readers, uh, books you'd like to promote, anything you'd like to say? Um, well, like I said, Dark and Twisted is our new book. Um, also, Tales for Halloween Night, Volume 9, just came out. And um, other than that, I hope everybody had a fantastic weekend. Thank you so much. Yeah. Hi, this is Kate Simmons from Publishers Weekly Comics World, and I'm here at New York Comic Con on Sunday with Martin Morazzo. Hi. Hi, how are you? How has your Comic Con been this year? Oh, it's been great. Really a lot of crowd, a lot of fans. Uh, this is the table, I got many commissions, so it's been great so far. Uh, what I uh, didn't really like much was that I went to the show floor and there was not many comic publishers, you know? There were, yeah. Yeah, so that felt kind of strange. It is uh, weird. Yeah, I live in Argentina, so every time I come, I, I, I go there and take the chance of buying books, you know? So uh, I couldn't find many places to, got, to get books, so it was like a little disappointing. But the con's been great anyway. Yeah, there's some great comic shops here. I guess you're going to have to go to one instead of buying them at the Comic-Con. Yeah, I got one uh, near my hotel, so tomorrow, uh, before uh, uh, going back to Argentina, I will go there, there and, uh, and get some books. So is there any particular book you're promoting right now? Oh, Westerman. It's the one I do on uh, Image Comics, uh-huh. and it's uh, issue 37, comes out uh, next week, not the following one. So, do you have any um, thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? Anything on your mind? Oh. Freeform question. There's no wrong answer. Oh, I don't know, really. I, I'm kind of uh, um, doing commission right now, so I'm a little concentrated on that. Okay. So. <laughs> and how has this year Comic-Con been compared to other years' conventions? Oh, it's been great. It's been great. I, I, uh, it's my sixth or seventh Comic-Con. And uh, New York Comic Con, and uh, I've been really busy, so I cannot complain. Thank you so much. Thanks, Steve. Hi, this is Kate Simmons from Publishers Weekly Comics World, and I am here with Yannick Paquet. I wanted to make sure that was pronounced correctly. And that's that's a good good tactic. You know, <laughs> I thought that was a principle. Everybody's presenting themselves, but yeah, Yannick is a French uh, Canadian name. Mm-hmm. And look crazier than it than it is in fact Yannick is pretty common so how has your New York Comic Con been this year yeah I mean for me New York is the biggest the, the, the baddest one of them all um, I, I'm approaching these things as well a form of sport I guess <laughs> to survive to survive it to draw to meet people and everything but because everybody's here, uh, comic community is like a weird family of people that are friends. I don't see them. I don't see them very often. I live in Montreal, but you know, my friends live in Vienna. They live in Chicago, and we all wait for a moment where we can all get together 
from our point of view, New York conventions are that gathering point of, of pros. Uh, sure, you get to see fans, and that's that's almost a bonus that goes after. So, how have sales been? The, the sales, um, in my case, has been alright. I've been doing a print commission at home, um, which kind of upset the thing. So when I'm here, I don't need to do that much money because I've done I've done it all, kind of. So I just deliver whatever I've done already. Um, but yeah, sales have been alright. Uh, the thing is, with, with a show of that nature, is so big. There's so many people. There's so much competition in a way for for people's attention and. and People have to make choices, and there's some rare, like when Jim Lee show up, it'll get a lot of the of the traction. Um, so like the huge huge name that don't show up often, uh, get a lot of the thunder, which is okay. I'm I'm getting my own thunder, so it's uh it's a good balance. But I discovered that amazingly, I might do better in a smaller show where like the huge huge A-listers are not there. <laughs> so I get that uh, I get all the things. So, is there any particular book you're promoting at the moment? Uh, well, I'm doing a lot of of, um, of covers for DC and Marvel. Uh, the last thing that is available that I've done is a book for Europe, uh, which is also in French and English, uh, in a, a, a prequel to Incal that nobody seems to know what it is, but it is a, a massive classic of, of science fiction in France uh, by Jodorowsky and Moebius. So we did, me and Mark Russell, we did like a, a prequel of it. Is it also available to the French audience? Yeah, it is. It is. Um, and they know. I mean, they know what it, what the Encal is, uh, what the Associate is, which is the publisher of it. So, um, so that. In uh, otherwise, I'm working on something with uh, Rick Remender. He, he did a little announcement about this uh, with no specific because it's a massive undertaking. It's monstrous. I don't think I've ever drawn anything that complex in my life, and I've been I've been known to draw like pretty complex things. Yeah. Complex things. So um, I need at least a year, probably, before everybody can really see what it is. I'm thinking maybe by San Diego next year we'll start start seeing things. But uh, Rick and I choose um, New York Comic Con to let people know something is cooking and we're at work on something. So if you could say one thing to our listeners, what would it be? About that project? About whatever. About whatever. Uh, oh my God! Such a large, anything, just large options of things. Uh, yeah, try to live. I'm uh, during COVID at this epiphany that I love to draw comics and it's fun and everything. But it's so it is so demanding that I felt like maybe in my life I didn't spend that much time living as well as I should. Uh, to the benefit of drawing more and you know pursuing things and. And so I try to live a little bit more, and it kind of pay off too. I'm I'm better, so yeah, live, you guys, enjoy life. Thank you so much. Hi, I'm I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm from Publishers Weekly Comics World, and I'm here at New York Comic Con with Saladin Ahmed. Hello. Hi, how you doing? So, how has your New York Comic Con 2023 been? It's been fun. It's been a tiring, but a, but a blast. It's good to be, uh, this is the first time I've been here since 2018. It's good to be around people again. So, what differences do you notice between now and 2018? Well, uh, 
a lot more people at my table because I'm working on uh, bigger and better projects kind of thing, so it's been really exciting. But also just like everybody seems to be happy to just kind of be looking at each other in, in person again. So it's a nice vibe. So how have sales been this year? I have been not selling anything this year. It's been wonderful. I just come here to only sign things for fans and meet people, and uh, it's made for a very relaxed con. Have you been doing any panels? Uh, we did a Daredevil uh, interview just a little while ago and a signing at the Marvel booth, and that was super exciting. Those fans are always crazy, and it's wonderful. Are there any particular books you're promoting right now? Yeah, we have a, a new Daredevil series that we just launched uh, with Aaron Cooter on art and myself writing it, and uh, Spine Tingling Spider-Man, which is a horror comic starring Peter Parker. So, um, is there anything that I haven't already asked, or anything that just randomly you'd like to say to our listeners? Uh, yeah, I, I guess uh, it's been really cool to see a lot of people here support creator-owned work, as well as the kind of Marvel DC stuff, so um, I have a book called Star Signs, a book called Terror War, and uh, any creator you dig, they're working on their own stuff too, and so check it out, because this, is, this kind of thing's a great opportunity for that. Thank you so much. Well, great job, Kate, as always. Um, well, I guess all that's left to do is to finally test negative. So hopefully, <laughs> yes, which we hope that's coming up soon for you. Hopefully, uh, that won't be for two weeks because I, I'm, if I, you know, COVID didn't get me the boredom of being quarantining at home, will. So anyway, I guess until next New York Comic Con, there will be more to come. Hey guys, sorry about the cat. We're recording from home. <laughs> <laughs> That's, all right. That's there you go.